don't even remember how it goes. Good evening, Meat Suits. Welcome back to Read It and Weep Season 4. We're three guys exploring the world of pop culture and exposing you to our perfect opinions about movies, (laughs) TV, and the news. I'm your host, Alex Falcone, recording in North Koreatown, Los Angeles. And I'm joined... Hell of a party town. It's it's for party people. Um, (laughs) We're all having a good time right now. Um... Also, we're jo- I'm joined by my amazing panel today. First up, he's at Anthony Lopez Part Two on Twitter. He's in Southeast Portland, and I gotta say, that's a lot of gas, Anthony. What are you gonna do with all that gas, Anthony? It's Anthony Lopez. Uh, uh, don't worry about that. But I'm gonna need all that fertilizer as well, and then <laughs> ammonia nitrate. Do we have any of that? Uh, no reasons whatsoever. <laughs> Just oh yeah, I'll take um, some of those ball bearings and screws too while we're here. This is a darker story now. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. I hey. think the key to the story was there's no darkness ever. Yeah, look, I I tried to make a Pody Town reference to the movie, but no one seemed to get it. I so didn't get I it, and I was like, rolling it. with it, back no. to work. It's just like uh, throughout this movie, people constantly reference. Uh, oh right, right. right. Going, Wisconsin's like, a big Wisconsin. party state. Oh, that's a real big party state. Like, yeah, why it, do they keep two saying people that? saying that? It's, <laughs> it's one of it's, it's one hilarious. of the several uh, Lynchian mysteries of this film um, that I'm going to come back to you guys about. Also joining us today, he's at Hunbun on Letterbox. He's from the woods of Arkansas, and he'll give you ten dollars for that grabber. It's Hunter Donaldson. <laughs> I am the grabber, okay? Uh, you can feel free to call me grabber. Okay, I don't think that is a name that one would self-apply. Yeah. You don't like yeah. that name? I don't think I'm just, I'll just grab for you. The grabber? It, you're going to a bad place with it. That's what it. That's what's happening. Yeah. Grabber right Donaldson. Um, all yeah, right, you so... And- uh, you and George H.W. Bush would get along. Uh, you know, I, I don't get that. I'm sorry. I'm a oh, millennial. I just, he, uh, <laughs> this, I should have tried to work this in last week or the week before <laughs> on the magic episode. But the George H.W. Bush's whole thing was always be, would go up to young women and go, uh, I'm a magician. Uh, you want to see my act? No. And when they said, yeah, he goes, yeah, they call me David Copperfield. And then he would molest uh, people. Uh, Are you serious? Uh, yeah, that's a. I've been trying to fit that in for two weeks. I'm oh my god! Here. There wow. is something about well, like you're well, you're creep, but then you double down on the creep by being awful at comedy. Yeah. Yeah, I just say hey, I think the Grabber and David Copperfield are gonna get along great. Is all I'm saying. I agree with it, with you on that. I think it's a weird name that Hunter's chosen. I guess maybe you're just saying you have a long reach, Hunter. Mm. Is that it? Yeah. Just... You know, I mean, I think it could have been fine, but I think it's ruined now. Yeah. I think it's been ruined. I mean, made it, it way ruined worse. right away, frankly. For to be honest. sure. Um, Can't speak... get anything past your nasty, dirty mind. <laughs> Alex, <laughs> Jesus, you're filthy. Uh, get your the, mind out of the gutter. This show is uh, your brought to you by... Your mom listens to this, you fucking perv. <laughs> Only sometimes. Um, this show is brought to you, as always, by our generous meat buddies who keep forgetting to cancel their donations. If you'd like to join them, and keep the show limping down the tracks. Go to metreon.com and we thank everybody who helps support the show. We don't want to have to take the train out back and shoot it with the <laughs> rifle. <laughs> with, it turns out like a sniper quality yeah. shot at that uh, right. lawnmower. Um, yeah, you never learn, forget those skills. You learn in the army. You oh, know? right. And that was the lawnmower was his, so it was kind of friendly fire. Okay, that's yeah. fine. Yeah, there's back. been a lot of really good in jokes, and I actually worry that no one watched this movie. No one's seen so this movie, so yeah. Nobody. <laughs> I mean, if we were going to be concerned about that, we should have started that 500 episodes ago. This has always been our way. <laughs> But hey, you know what? T- pause it. Uh, we, we'll get to it in a little bit, but this is a movie that was very hard to find for a long time. But thanks to 
Disney Plus and then bringing it out of the vault. Thank it's you, Disney. widely available now. Oh, yeah. Uh, so definitely do check it out and then come back. The conversation's going to be fun. Well, in the meantime, though, before we even get into that, we have three segments today. And the first segment, you don't even need to do any studying ahead of time because this is the news. First up in this week's... I'm going to go back to calling it old news. So this week's segment one, old news. This is from several weeks ago, and I've been trying to work it in. But finally, we had a quiet enough day because I have no takes on Daft Punk retiring. Um, so it's time <laughs> for giant cloaca they didn't news. They retire. They shut down. They, okay. They flipped the, the off switch. They, they powered down. Yes. They took the buckets off their head. Yes. And went back. Um, so, but it, it, that's not our, that's not our news. Our news is old news. It's giant cloaca time. So Catherine Wu reporting for the New York times. Finally in 3d, a dinosaur's all purpose orifice. Uh, that's right. The, the paleontologists have discovered the first ever preserved dinosaur cloaca. Preserved dinosaur cloaca. And then <laughs> modeled it in stunning three dimensions. Um, here's uh, Catherine. Mm. The world's oldest known all-purpose orifice sits in a fossil display case in Seckenberg Natural History Museum in Frankfurt, Germany. Uh. So close to the glass that enshrines it that you can put your face up to it like this, says Jacob Vinther, the paleontologist <laughs> at the University of Bristol in England, <laughs> holding his hand a couple inches from his nose. <laughs> the okay. orifice belongs to a Cetacarosaurus, a beaked dog-sized leaf-munching dinosaur that lived more than 100 million years ago. In it's not technically an anus, and that's an important thing for you to remember. And probably that's not the first time it's appeared in the New York Times, but it's a great phrase. Not technically an anus, even though sometimes it functioned like one. It's a cloaca, <laughs> the multifunctional outlet named for the Latin word for sewer through which some animals, including a menagerie of birds, reptiles, amphibians, and even a few mammals, can defecate, urinate, copulate, and or extrude their offspring or eggs. There's so much to unpack here. I would like uh, to start well, with I extruding guess. as your metaphor for birth. It's a good verb. Uh, you don't is, hear it enough. It's gross. I mean, they're not pasta. They're babies. That's a gross <laughs> way to say that. First off, uh, world's oldest multi-use orifice was like my is my nickname at the Kink Mansion when I go to San Francisco. Uh, and secondly, Alex, did you? How long have you had this tab open in your browser now? Since the day it was announced, this came up in my newsfeed. It was like I think wow. Alex would like this story. And you just based on your viewing history, open? I gotta say, when you do what you this is the thing about Google News, you click on one giant ancient cloaca story, and that's all you get. You yeah, know, yeah. now You're all of my ads now. are for 3D cloacas. Every yeah. uh, they take over. Um, yeah. Th- so I okay. So a couple of things I think that are interesting about this. One is I think just like extrude is a verb we need to use more often. I think cloaca mm. needs to come up more often. I feel like okay. I've met people who don't know about the cloaca, and I think they should. It's a fascinating sewer orifice. Um, I don't like that part of it, by the way. The, the sewer, sewer part? part? I don't like that. That feels judgy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that just, it doesn't... Well, why, does it, why does it need to be like a sewer? It's not like a sewer. I think a sewer is... You don't is, do everything in a sewer. That's, that's weird. True. Sewer is mostly I mean, for garbage and extruding the bad stuff it's not like your babies don't travel through the sewer right yeah and you yeah. don't copulate there in the sewer so but we're not we're yeah. not talking about the penguin from batman returns <laughs> babies going down sewers uh yeah. penguins also probably have a cloaca um yeah but do, people, but do think, animals eat cloaca in like uh in like the way eating ass is really big nowadays i don't Clo- you know i don't think cloaca they do. lingus yeah cloaca i don't think they do um, I I would guess um, that they they specifically do not. But I would also say though, I think 
the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles at least one time banged in a sewer. So sometimes you do copulate there. Well, what is this that you're making reference to? Is this some sort of TMNT thing I'm not aware of? That some deep lore? TMNT yeah, and A? No, I'm just assuming we... this happened. Look, I don't. You're just know assuming about... that the turtles banged. They're Alex, teenagers, Alex. Alex what's, we're your, talking, what's your problem? We're Holy talking shit. about dinosaur science, not your weird deviant art pages you yeah. like to visit, all right? There's a reason the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles never become the adult mutant ninja turtles, all right? Yeah. You, you don't topics think they didn't want to cover. You don't think they're post-puberty? I feel like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles would be like that. No, dude, they're they're like 16-year-old boys. That's that's where yeah. they're at. And you they're, they're, you you knowing 16-year-old boys don't think they were thinking about that? Oh, I'm not I'm not saying they weren't thinking about it. I'm just saying like that was not a story. If somebody ever pitched that story, they were like, no, nah, that's actually not what <laughs> we're going for. <laughs> yeah, with the turtles. Um I the other thing I want people to know about this story, though, the reason I think it's important is because some people think science is boring. And I just love the idea that there's a doctor of evolutionary genitalia who mm-hmm. spends long days looking at dinosaur buttholes. And then they were like, they brought in 3D rendering people, artists, uh, special effects artists, to create a stunning three-dimensional model of this thing. Just the number of people involved that had to like on their taxes be like yeah. dinosaur butthole uh, yeah, expert yeah. like that is just it's great it's science they turned is it alive. Into a flat then they turned it into a flashlight and sold it for a bunch of money you know yeah yeah <laughs> i assume you wouldn't i don't know um i didn't like no there's no way that this story didn't create like a new yeah. type of pervert like this is that's <laughs> what th- this does this a story like this comes out and then that's the thing it's like the manchurian candidate like suddenly they find out that oh i am that i am that pervert <laughs> i didn't know and then it awakens inside of them <laughs> new pervert just dropped <laughs> new pervert uh, online uh, <laughs> a, f- a fetish 200 million years in the making you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is. <laughs> what if that was like in Jurassic Park when they get on the uh, like that ride that explains the thing? It's just a lot of stuff about dinosaur yeah, uh, yeah. holes, yeah. and yeah. just Jeff Goldblum and Alan Gr- Alan is there, and he's like, I, th- I don't. Did we fly all the way out here just to see John Hammond's weird fuck palace? I mean, there's uh, got to be Jurassic Park erotic fanfic, right? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, of course. Okay. I don't even need to search. <laughs> don't even yeah. need to search. It's there. I know it's there. Yeah, I mean, that seems like where this all ends up anyway. So maybe this isn't like totally new perverts. It's just like the old perverts got a new 3D model to look at. That's a good point. Yeah. In fact, I was I had a really naive worldview there, and I want to apologize for that take because clearly those no, perverts I, already existed. But I think the yeah. take new pervert just dropped is a that's a good one. That's a keeper. Right, but that hap- that's the thing. That's why it's naive, because that's happening every second of every day. Right. Yeah. Ever since right. the internet was turned on, it's just a new pervert machine. Yeah. Jim Henson's dinosaurs came out in the 90s. All right? this, <laughs> that's true. People yeah. have had this Gotta for love a me, while Daddy. now. You know? <laughs> Do you know how many Land Before Time sequels there right, are? Right. You think those are financed by kids? No, perverts. <laughs> um, the other thing that this reminded me of is I did recently learn, this is not new news this has been out there for a while but i only recently saw this fact but um speaking of cloacas um some turtles can breathe through theirs did you know this jeez there are turtles who can breathe through their butts which i think just well first of all take that in 
They're turtles that yeah, can breathe yeah. through their butts, which is it's so called clo- which, means butt, they, which means they probably know? burp through their butts. They might, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's parts, cloaca yeah. Uh, yeah. respiration, but yeah, it's kind of a combination of those two. Hey, um, a lot of people like doing cocaine through their butts, so maybe that's what I, turtles I, do. I would it, say you know? if we were to like, Just if somebody to, could like use like artificial intelligence to digest the history of the show, like all the transcripts, they'd be like, it is weird. There's this one bump in references to drugs in butts. It just happens on the. It gets referenced on the show more than you'd think. Yeah, and it's not me. It's not you. It's no, not this me. is Anthony manages to work this in the way I work. Cloacas into conversation. He manages to get you know you could put that on a tampon, soak a tampon in that, and then put it up your butt all the time. It keeps happening. <laughs> Look, I just I uh, necessity is the mother of invention. All right, you yeah. you're a big fan of science. So yeah. am I. I like inventive <laughs> you're things. You're an engineer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, problem solving. Sometimes I mean, the, the thing that I thought when I saw that turtle breathing through their butt thing, though, is that I feel like we get straws back, right? Because like, wait, what? Remember, we had to like one one turtle got a straw in its nose, and we had to like stop using straws. And it, but oh, if he could, if he was I breathing through saying. his butts, who cares? Yeah, it's like how many straws that. is it going to take to take this guy down at this point? <laughs> I mean, he's breathing through his butt. Like, <laughs> yeah, even if you were trying to stop him from breathing with straws, Dude, you'd the never manage. Would have to gang up on him. They yeah. have to like. <laughs> uh, this is my least popular take in Portland, um, but I do feel like we should have straws back anyway. Um, this is a this is a yeah. hill I'm willing to breathe through a straw on. Well, my mate. Okay, so I do think it's a problem <laughs> that they can breathe through their butts. That makes it easy. But also, you can breathe through straws. It's like the perfect breathing yeah. instrument right i mean i've never looked at the science as to why we threw the straws out there so i think you would need to respond to like a good version of this argument in order for me to die with you on the straw sure hill. sure but um, i will say at you, this you don't point wanna, i just you think you've been bought by big straw like this doesn't <laughs> seem like a real this is a very ben shapiro this is, moment this where is it's so like, much simpler than that it's just that i like the beverage in my cup to get into my mouth and paper straws don't do that and so and that's like the main function so yeah. i feel like we've been lied to that's fair I, and you and you kind of grew up with that whereas i grew up with like buckets so like we just drink out of large buckets so i don't care so much you know what i mean it's like yeah. we mean it's, i don't need a straw i've got this biases. trough you ever yeah. try to put yeah. a straw in a giant tub that just has three x's on the front of it you can't do it it's just you can't you can't drink out of that properly the booze tub we the, call it uh, all right um so that is old news we are going to move on now Now it is time for segment number two, the homework. So this week for our homework, we watched The Straight Story, the yeah. 1999 John Deere commercial directed by David Lynch, <laughs> starring Richard F- Farnsworth, Sissy Spacek, Harry Dean Stanton, and the John Deere logo, as well as the Olsen twins. Um, kind of interesting appearance by the Olsen twins in their most difficult role yet as Farley Brothers. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, for those of you who have not seen that, so, okay, um, we're, we're watching this because it's another thing that came up in my phone class that I mentioned to you guys and you guys were interested in, but it came up as just kind of an interesting thing about a director and looking at their oeuvre uh, to think about this time where it's not the most Lynchian movie in a lot of ways. It's a Disney rated G. It's not even sort of based Lynchian, on a true, really. Well, I have a theory about that that we're going to get to later, but... Um, okay. Uh, it's just like it's just like a nice family film from 1999. It's very interesting that he's. I think the most interesting thing about it is that Lynch directed it. But if you have missed this for some reason, you hadn't uh, gotten to look into the Disney Vault yet. Uh, let me give you a quick summary of the Straight story. Alvin Straight, 
Now you get the joke. Alvin Strait is in his <laughs> early 70s, but seems like he might be in his late hundreds. He's been doing not that great, uh, but his brother is doing even worse. And so he wants to go visit his brother and apologize and uh, bury the family hatchet. But his brother lives 240 miles away, and Alvin is too sick to drive a car. So obviously, the only solution is to hop on his trusty 1966 John Deere 110 lawn tractor and drive there at a maximum speed of five miles an hour. Along the way, he meets a cyclist, a firefighter, a lady who kills deer for a living, and a random old guy to whom he confesses to killing a fellow American soldier on accident during World War II. After five weeks, he gets to his brother's house, probably smelling like an ass fire, and then recent and uh, jumps, uh, gives up, gets off the wagon, starts drinking again, and then the movie's over, and we have no idea what's going to happen, but we can safely assume he died on the drive home, and that's the movie. That's, Inspi- that's the whole inspired thing. Inspired by a, a true story. Which yeah, is really I mean, fun. five minutes into it, I was yeah. like, this premise is too dumb. It must be a real story. Mm. Right. I mean, I I thought this movie was fucking phenomenal. Oh. I, I mean, we, we definitely have spent uh, a, lot, a lot of time talking about Lynch, especially in the film school thing yeah. we did last year. We started with Lynch, and it's kind of nice to get back to it here. Um, uh, but yeah, so, you know, this does stand out. It is a a a gpg rated movie mm-hmm. only one of G. his crew yeah because it, yeah. it turns it out shooting your fellow soldiers in the head it, it doesn't count that's not welcome okay. to america <laughs> but like it is the the it has so many of his sort of like touches his incredible camera work his really interesting kind of odd vignettes and characters the yeah. angelo badletti score for this movie is fucking great mm-hmm. um but i do think it is like certainly it's the only movie he didn't help write like right. this was um this was his wife he didn't write he didn't write the his, elephant man because that yeah. was a yeah that really happened but like he like uh he had worked on the screenplay you oh, know sure, like that, this, this also really happened this, yeah, this was like his longtime editor and assistant, uh, Mary. What is and, her name? And his partner, um, right? Isn't that his? Yeah. His well, like... they were they were together. They got married briefly in the two thousands for a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, his future but, future ex wife. Yeah. But yeah, she was a real kind of passion thing. And this was, you know, not originally a Disney movie. This was a movie Disney bought after it was already had premiered in Cannes, which makes a lot more sense because it's just like. It's hard to imagine, like, Lynch in a room with, like, Disney executives pitching right, them right. a movie. It's just so funny. Uh, I mean, but, yeah, I I really, really enjoyed it. I found it incredibly moving. It's very kind of methodical and, like, simple. Um, but I also thought it was, like, definitely the type of movie. I think it was interesting. We talked about it last week with, like, Castaway and the, um, the way as I've gotten older, I appreciate that movie more. I certainly mm. think that this is the type of movie, if I saw it as a teenager or my early 20s, it just wouldn't hit the same way that it does now. But, yeah, I watched this movie just today, and it floored me. I loved it. This is, uh, maybe then, that was just a setup to say that you think you're more mature than me, but I thought it was mm-hmm. a tad boring. I wanted to like it more than I did. I there like it was good, but it was also just a little slow and um a little bit It is bit, slow. It is, yeah. A Very little, slow, methodical. Uh, yeah, methodical is your word for I was bored and uh <laughs> yeah, I just wanted more to happen, I guess. I don't know, and I thought I thought a lot of the acting was real stilted um Whoa. from the old yeah, people. I disagree there. Really? Yeah, I really disagree. I, I feel think, like yeah. so, so many on. of the line reads was like are you this is your first well, time talking? Well, uh, 
that's that's tricky because it's lynch Mm -hmm. so i think they were all doing a very good job especially at the i could see how maybe at the beginning um you could feel that way with some of the supporting characters um i forget her name but the first woman that you see uh, not to see spacek um, the neighbor yeah the neighbor yeah (laughs) i found her delivery to be a little bit like oh you kind of feel like a lynchian supporting character where like the way that the lines are being delivered feels uh, kind of similar to uh, soap opera or like some of the stuff in, in Twin Peaks, um, which of course like David Lynch likes that mm-hmm. stuff. So he does push his actors to kind of give a slightly weird uh, delivery. But I thought, um, what's his name? Sorry. The main Richard Farnsworth. Yeah. Yes. He was incredible. He was amazing. I mean, it yeah. was just like it, Hen- it, his performance is so good. Henry Dean Stanton is in this movie for two minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. And and he gets top billing. One of he, the best, they're like uh, starring not, Harry Dean Stanton. That made me so mad, actually, to be uh, honest. That's the only nit I will really pick with this movie is that Harry Dean Stanton is at the very end of the, This is kind of a spoiler, but. Um, yeah, we're, we're fine with that. It came out in 2000. I mean, I mean Harry Dean Stanton uh, is Less at the end of the movie. He is not in the movie for very long. He's in the movie for a comically short yes. amount of time. Hilarious. And then short. the second the movie ends, it needs to let you know that Harry Dean Stanton played that guy like, you just saw. saw. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> Starring Harry De- Dean Stanton, um, who got three lines, one of which was on camera. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he was like, eh? Alvin? But I did like, uh, for all the kind of like, it is funny, especially as like a big Lynch fan, the way so many of his movies, especially like if you compare this to something like Blue Velvet, which is all about like the facade of suburbia, and then you like go into the dark underworld underneath it, right? You see the mm-hmm. rot and the 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 all that kind of amazing stuff. And this is a movie that is like if you never went into the ear in Blue Velvet, yeah. like if you just stayed on the top level um like very simple sincere americana uh but at the same time this is also a great example of like what a director does because there are like a even though it is a very straightforward kind of conventional sort of disney Mm -hmm. family film you get like these little vignettes of like the olsen twins the lady with the deer which is i should just explain really quick for people who are confused so there are two characters who are mechanics that are twins and they're called the olsen twins but they are not they are just two dudes well they're in fact they're farley brothers so they're played by two of chris farley's brothers Um, but they are Anyway, they're called the Olsen Twins, which is, you know, a known quantity even back then. And so it was a little bit, yeah, yeah it stood out to but, me. So, like, the the so the way they're dressed is very Lynchian and funny. And then there's, like, there's, I think, like, the woman with the deer is probably the funniest scene I have seen in quite mm-hmm. a while. It's just so random and yeah. absurd this yeah. woman he runs, runs into. Yeah, so he's, hitting. so along his, along his drive, you know, it's a, it's a, epic journey road trip movie so you just meet some characters and one is that a car speeds by him and then hits a deer and then the lady um who's driving the car complains to him that she hits a deer every morning and every evening when she's driving on this highway but she, she has to get to work a week yeah she's she's, <laughs> she's single-handedly single-handedly keeping the deer population under control there and it's especially important because like half this movie is close-ups of the John Deere tractor logo. So we are supposed to be told that nothing runs like a deer, but nothing kills a deer like a Cadillac. So it's kind of a warring <laughs> product placement I mean, there. Where, where do they come from? Like when she yelled <laughs> yeah, that, that because you see the field like... and there's no deer anywhere. Yeah, she, uh, I thought I thought she was funny. 
that scene was hilarious. And then there was also, there's a few scenes. There's, like, a, a scene involving a, uh, a hitchhiker and, like, a fire that mm -hmm. I thought was one of the sweetest scenes. Um, there's a lot of stuff when they're talking about war stories that I found incredibly moving. And then the very ending, I, I thought, like, uh, found emotionally devastating. Just, like... Yeah. Just his so brother saying hi and then the movie being over? Yeah, I mean, I just thought, like, <laughs> if you want to, you know, uh, want to be a dick about it, yeah, uh, sure. Um, but Well, I mean, like, I mean I that's just, a literal description of what happened, so yeah, tell me why that yeah. should have been more devastating well, I, to me. I was just, for some reason, that line from Half-Baked, when it's like, I'm a custodial artist or a janitor, if you want to be a dick about mm -hmm. it, popped in my head. But I don't, it's just like the journey that he gets there, the way he, when his brother realizes he went all this way on a tractor and like the, what that sort of means to him, like realizing like what this journey his brother had to go on just to see him and bury this hatchet I yeah. found to be. And then Harry Dean Stanton is one of the greatest actors to ever live. Um, I miss him dearly and he just is, emotionally devastating yeah. in that scene and the music like i said really does a lot of the heavy lifting mm -hmm. in this movie as well um yeah i just yeah I, I think you're right i think that part was i, I think that was um impactful enough for me i'm not upset mm -hmm. about the ending um it it just it the the vignettes that you're describing are this is why i felt like it was lynchian to me as i was like i don't know why any of your this is happening I don't understand what you're trying to make me feel at any given moment. Um, there's these like long scenes setting up things that then don't happen. Like we have this whole establishing of the horrible rainstorms and the danger of rain and lightning in this area. He's unprotected on a lawnmower. We spend m several minutes watching clouds roll in. There's a devastating storm coming. And then he just like, oh, look, a cover. And then he just pulls over rain passes mm. and he leaves again and it's nothing it's like a, it feels like a series of that a series of setting me up to for something to happen that doesn't happen we spent 15 minutes figuring out that he like him buying the grabber and then the grabber never grabs we don't never see him grabbing shit never reappears he, he yeah. picks he up one wood piece of wood with it. It, i would have thought the grabber i would have described the gra grabber as the main the second main character in this film from the way it was set up. We got as much time meeting the grabber as his daughter, his brother, and all of the people in his neighborhood combined. And then the grabber well, does not matter. There's a Chekhov's what? grabber in the first act, and in the rest of the movie, <laughs> he never needs to grab anything. What more do you need out of the grabber than, oh, I don't, Alvin, that's my, that's my grabber. I mean, Alvin, I don't, it was like a I, fun I, vignette, I'll and then it did not get, matter, and that's it's I'll weird. Have, oh, Alvin, I don't want, Alvin, what do you I, need I, the grabber for? I think that was actually setting up uh, the fact that Alvin is uh, kind of into the the art of the deal. Yeah, he does like to, yeah, yeah. he does like to bit, to haggle. He does like yeah. to haggle. That's true. He did yeah. haggle he's later. He's a big with haggler, the, with the um, and he's a good uh, haggler actually. Yeah. But I'm gonna get you all the best grabbers, the greatest grabbers you've ever seen. <laughs> You're gonna be so tired by the, these grabbers by the end of it. Yeah, we really should buy. That's a good point. We should look into Alvin's taxes because I'm not yeah. clear on where this money is coming from. Social yeah. security. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. I, I think it is fair to say that, I mean, this this is the type of movie that has a very, I mean, the premise, it, it, it does not sound uh, exciting whatsoever. I mean, it's literally about an, an old man traveling across the country, mm -hmm. not even across the country, across like a state uh, in a lawnmower. Yeah. Uh, and that's basically it. That's all you get yeah. as mm -hmm. far as uh, mm -hmm. the conflict within the movie. Um, I think the whole the whole point of it is to just kind of explore uh, this character 
uh, Alvin. And I think the reason that last moment uh, can land really hard is like, I had really kind of, I mean, I really liked this character by the end of the movie. I was really um, emotionally connected to the performance. Um, And also I think it's worth noting that um, I don't know for sure that uh, Richard Farnsworth, the actor, was dying while they were making this movie. Yes, uh, he, he died. Was. Pretty, sh- he was. Okay, yeah, he- it kind of. I almost felt it to be honest. Like I knew that he had died shortly after this yeah, came out. Wow, really? But the soon. way he was performing and the way that the themes seemed. To, I mean, this, this is very much a movie about kind of looking uh, back on your life at the end of it and mm-hmm. kind of deciding what is important and what isn't important. Essentially. Um, the 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 level that he goes at, I feel like I was just like, this is this is real. This is almost yeah. not acting. Yeah, and like I, I, if I, I thought... had to like give give this movie like a catchy sort of like like above the title thing on like a review, it would be like epic vistas and quiet confessions, which is another <laughs> thing that I thought was like re- really profound about this movie uh-huh. is that it, it, in the Lynchian way of like the way like. You know, Blue Velvet or Twin Peaks deals with sort of the things we sort of hide in the undercurrents of society and the facades we put up. I thought the way this movie, like, does a really great job of introducing characters and then these, like, small private moments, usually from Alvin's point of view, Mm -hmm. of him expressing a quiet, very intimate truth about their lives that recontextualizes it. Like mm. so, like the war story scene, I thought really did that for me. Mm-hmm. the The campfire scene with the runaway is when he gives Sissy Spacex sort of backstory and sort of the right. trauma and tragedy of her life, and the way it recontextualizes the scene of like her watching this kid pick up a ball from earlier. And the movie has so many of these little moments yeah. that make you think about like. Because it is these people, like, that's actually Al- the real Alvin's house he leaves from in the oh, beginning, nice. right? And it's, like, these people who are on the fringe of society, really sort of low income, living in poverty, don't have a lot. And the way we kind of, like, judge them and sort of see them from a distance and don't really think and, like, have a way to experience that kind of trauma because we don't mm-hmm. get let in. And this movie does such a good thing of, like, showing you these people and then bringing you into their lives through these, like, confessions to strangers, essentially. Yeah. Um, and like the kindness of a stranger helping someone out and like how you can like build relationships. I don't know. It's just, it's I, a great Americana look, man, movie, whatever not, that means. I don't disagree you know? with any of those things you said. I just thought it could have been a little less boring. It could have been a little <laughs> less slow. It could have, it could have, um, could have been shorter. Uh, yeah, I mean, could have had some, could have had some, could have gone between scenes a little bit quicker, could have moved a bit, it, just a bit more briskly. It could have used Dennis Hopper sucking down oxygen, saying daddy needs to fuck, for sure. Um, yeah. But like, <laughs> what? Okay. That's another, uh, Blue Velvet. Oh, Blue Velvet, yeah. I've seen Blue, Blue Velvet. Velvet. Very similar to this, but has a lot more of that kind of stuff, which <laughs> usually makes Lynch films more exciting. Yeah, I mean, um, things like, so... I, I mean, I'm not the only thing about all this is I, I'm a little bit I was like I'm more skeptical of the Far, of Farnsworth's performance in that, like, if you hadn't told me he was an Oscar nominated actor who's been in 100 films, I would have been like, this is his first time on camera. That's what it felt like. Oh, there was wow. something about his choices that mm. felt like he was like they went like or this was actually Mr. Straight. Like, that's what I thought was this guy is like so authentically um, this character 
but cannot read dialogue. That's what it sounded like to me, that they had cast somebody really intentionally from the Midwest who did this, who lived this life, but couldn't act. But obviously I'm wrong about that because he got an Oscar nom yeah. for this and he's done a ton of great things. So yeah. that yeah, was I, a little weird, but that, I, I don't think know. This connects to your other problem, to be honest. I, I think it's almost like the, the genre or like what they were going for with the, with the the reality this this movie was creating which was that it wasn't even it was just trying to be like uh i guess slice of life would maybe be mm -hmm. um the word mm -hmm. although that doesn't quite nail it because there is some like kind of emotional cinematography stuff um it opens with some very like twin peaks-esque uh just like tones and stuff yeah um but yeah it's it's not it doesn't have a lot of conventional like like plot setup and payoff um, it doesn't it doesn't follow a uh, a structure that is like, well, I guess it does kind of have three acts, but they it's very episodic in the way that it tells yeah, its story because mm -hmm. it's literally just a guy. It's like Pilgrim's Progress. It's just like a guy walking down a road and then he finds stuff. And then he gets there. Um, yeah. yeah. And there's not a, even a lot of conflict. Right. That, yeah. I mean, it's really just like a series I'm, of uh, many conversations. And I, I, I like all those things. Except it was a little boring. I think you could do yeah. all of that and not be boring. Like, that was a choice. And I look, I mean, part of it is like, the point was, this lawnmower does not move quickly, so neither will the movie. I get yes. that. Yes. But it did not need to make the movie feel like it was five weeks long. Mm. They could I have mean, gotten that impression a, done in a hundred minutes. I think I it's will, just well, kind of... Your I have one, one sequence. Yeah, sure. I, I want to highlight mm. one sequence. Yeah. Where I feel like the the these the part where Alvin loses control of his lawnmower mm -hmm. and starts mm -hmm. going down the hill very quickly right um to me actually is one of the tensest sequences I've seen in a movie for like a while actually um mm. and and this this I, I'm I am seeing by your face that you do not feel the same way but to me the way that was shot um the way uh David Lynch uses like the the sound he's really good with like sound mixing and sound mm -hmm. editing i shouldn't mm -hmm. give all the credit to him as probably somebody else right. but um but he is also a musician so i don't know he probably yeah probably has a well he does to do with the it. sound design on a lot of his movies yeah so like, he's listed as sound along with ronald eng yeah. cool perfect yeah. um the way the sound works in that sequence and the way that it is shot i start i mean i got really i was really like oh my god he's about to get hurt and and if and obviously, if you break down what's happening in the sequence, it's just a lawnmower going slightly too fast. I, I mean, to me, that sequence worked. I felt like but, the, yeah, yeah, I thought that, like, a lot of the things about that sequence worked, except that, like, it really did not look like that was a person on a lawnmower. It looked like, like, it felt like the effects of that were cheesy to me. That, like, it looked, mm -hmm. it looked like, whoa, this is sped up film to make it look, it looked like a 1930s chase scene where it's like, woo, we're all going so fast. It's just like, it looked silly. Um, and that undermined the otherwise tenseness of that situation. See, I to I I totally bought it. Like huh. I totally yeah. didn't. I I didn't even think about. Yeah. I I didn't think about like how simple the tricks that they were using were yeah. uh, because they're obviously. I mean, that's that. It's it's like such a low stakes sequence that anyone could imagine. Yeah. Well, you would never watch the sequence and be like, "Oh my god, how did they do that?" Like that mm -hmm. that would never happen. Uh, yeah. But to me. The moments where the movie does kind of have a little, uh, a little more going on behind the camera, uh, all all of that really worked for me, and I don't feel like there was too much of it to kind of um, 
break the authenticity of the story. Yeah, which I and think I was think probably a, really important. For me, I had a lot of like uh because of the Lynch's cinematography and the sort of what Alex kind of read as stilted performances and like the very simple dialogue um with that music to me this movie really works as almost like a a tone poem like something to kind of mm-hmm. like just sort of wash over you and take you along like not expecting it to have like really having no idea where the story was going to go or what was going to happen and kind of mm-hmm. just accepting the low stakes and the intimacy of it uh, to me, it just like I said, I, I just found this movie. But I, I don't, I don't mind those things. I don't. I, well, I don't. I'm not big on poetry, I guess. Um, but it's a little boring. But I, you know, the low stakes and like I, that's what I was excited about. I was like, this seems like a really nice story about an old guy on a lawnmower. I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. I am like, I'm in the mood for just something with no conflict, and it's just kind of sweet and interesting. Um, but you could have done it with like, you could have like cut it a little tighter. Um, so what does that mean? Uh, that can we, can we get more specific about your point here? I think that's what really what me oh. and me and Anthony are trying to get to is like, what do you mean? You're kind of just saying it's boring, but what does that mean in a more material sense? Well, I don't. I don't want to. Actually, I feel like I've already dwelled on this way too much, so I don't want to go too much further into it. Like, it was like one found oneself bored, and I don't know how one justifies that. Like. I was just that was how I felt as I was like I was expecting this to not be for a little more to happen and my wife also felt that way which always makes me feel a little bit better about it that I'm not just being an asshole um so but like so, so there's just like a, especially comes- in that first 20 minutes there's just a lot of times where it's like the thing happens and then the camera just hangs out mm-hmm. for a while and then nothing changes uh, the and then there's, there's like a of bunch it. of pieces of this that felt like it, yeah the atmosphere was more as a percentage than stuff happening and that got boring mm-hmm. at some See, point I, I was like bored by atmosphere but i, I want to move on from this big, i feel like this is a boring part well, of this conversation let's talk about some well, I, things. i want to talk about sort of what <laughs> uh just sort of what i think why uh, sort of the opposite effect for me just on kind of that, that point because i do think it has that but i do think kind of getting to the more interesting stuff about this movie of why the kind of slow at the beginning didn't really bother me is because the really Lynchian stuff about this movie, like the lady with the deer uh, is a great example of it. The weird twins. But even in the opening of the movie, it's just the there's scenes that should be really boring and come off as not interesting at all. But the fact that it's like this movie starts off because um, a bunch of friends realize that their friend hasn't shown up to the borough that right. he apparently hangs out with every yeah. day. So they have to go, they send somebody to track him down. The The fact that there's like the weird guys in the ace hardware who are like questioning him about what he's doing and all the weird feral dogs that are just running Dude, around the Dude, there's so the many city. dogs. There's some great dog acting with no explanation. Just a bunch of dogs. That is the stuff that just like kept me in engaged at how odd and surreal a lot of this small town Americana stuff was, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean the small town Americana stuff I think is the best part. And I you know, it, it reminded me of uh Nebraska. Um do you guys ever see mm-hmm. that movie? Yeah. No, I did not see that. Brewstone. It's just an old guy wandering around um in a city in small town. Yeah, I thought that it reminded me of that or like um, or almost Napoleon Dynamite, where it felt like the authenticity mm. of this place that we don't see as often on, in movies was really, really good. Mm. I liked that a lot about it. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, like I, I'm agreeing with you about everything except that I also was bored. Um, the the thing about that trailer, or not the trailer, the um, the the uh, transmission thing going down the hill, um, uh, was a very. It was, I think, one of the things that took me out of the excitement of that is the minute he hooked up that trailer to that lawnmower. My wife and I were like, "Well, you're gonna blow out your transmission. You're gonna on a hill. You're gonna. It's not gonna work because." And I don't know anything about cars, but what happened was when we moved to L.A., we were gonna pull a U-Haul behind our SUV. And we showed up and they were like, no, you can't do this with this car, you idiot. It's going to blow out your transmission if you go down a hill and then you're going to go too fast. You're going to crash. So the one thing we know is that if you hook up a trailer, you're going to ruin your transmission. So we were just, as soon as they as soon as the, he backs up to that trailer, my wife was like transmission problems. So I was I don't expecting that to happen. It depends on how heavy it is, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, but well, like, for that size lawnmower and that size trailer, it seemed pretty obvious. Yeah, you're. I mean, you're you're probably right. I just felt like whenever I would see inside the the trailer, it looked like there was basically like very little inside of it, as far as like it's not like he's yeah, it was of, mostly like, like a giant wooden sleeping bag. Well, yeah, yeah no, he yes. has <laughs> one. He has one nice chair, one old rustiest metal chair yeah. I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, he. What, it's a power uh, move when you guest with him at the fireplace. He wants to, you to know you're in the not good chair. Yeah, he uh, a cooler full of weenies. <laughs> oh uh, my god, dude! I was so. Oh my god, the grocery shopping where he buys just like five hundred hot dogs and thirty pounds of liverwurst. I was, I mean, you're gonna get scurvy, old man. And also, I'm just. I was just like, just so horrified about a guy spending five weeks just eating barbecued hot dogs and raw liverwurst. It's just. Oh, it's horrifying. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. That's. I- that's the most authentically grandpa stuff, though, that <laughs> yeah, I so can grandpa. think of, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was also a thing I liked about it, is you just, you know, like, there was just no young people in this movie. There's no young people in the Midwest. Like, all, every every bartender, every store clerk, all in right. their 90s. Right. Mm, all, all quite old. They People who have nothing to do but sit around and watch firemen practice pitting out fires, which yep. is such a small town yeah. uh, thing to do. That we brought I out our chairs really to love. watch this fire test. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Just like there's a guy when he goes to the bar at the end uh, to get a drink. Uh, there's a guy at the end of the bar just, just drinking coffee all day. Just sh- yeah, and it's yep. just like it's such a weird choice, but it's just those little things that is like. They, it feels very authentic. If this almost feels like a mumblecore movie, like <laughs> ten years before right. that was a thing, right? You know? And yeah. also, like reading about like the way they shot it, they shot this movie chronologically, which I think is really interesting. Mm. Um, and like I think it shows in the journey, uh, especially like some of the weird stuff they caught on the road. Was like this is one point when he's driving his tractor and this giant truck goes by with this huge corn model on it. Yeah. And it's like, is that something the props the built department built or would they <laughs> just, just get giant lucky corn enough? drive by. Yeah. Uh, and the, like little little scenes like when I as someone just being a passenger in a car, if I'm like surrounded by semi trucks, that's like the tensest thing. Oh yeah, in so the world. scary. So being on a trailer, I found that to be really tense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the uh the one thing that I kept thinking about all of this, though, is how different this is just 20 years ago than it would be today. Like, mm. this movie... So this movie came out in... It was 1999, right? Um, 1999, yeah. The actual lawnmower trip was like 94, I think. Um, whereas I feel like if today a guy was driving his lawnmower across Iowa, 
Right. Someone would take a video on TikTok. It'd be viral by noon. And by 3 p.m., there'd be seven movie studios that were actively developing lawnmower guy projects. Mm. And, uh, and also it would suck because it would be it a boomer. It would suck. be a boomer on his lawnmower <laughs> going across. I don't want to know. You're not going to have World War II anecdotes that make me feel things for you. <laughs> well, it also he would just he would just Skype with his brother. Well, that's also <laughs> the long period, uh, it would. There wouldn't even be a movie. Well, but the know? first hour and of that Skype would be them trying to remember their Skype passwords. And yeah, then the second true. hour would be like, I can't quite hear you. Oh, I oh, tried to charge my battery. I thought you were going to say that over the last 20 years, you know, we've done such great improvements to <laughs> infrastructure and public transportation <laughs> no. that he could have taken like a high speed train. Right. Yeah. But wait, no, no that's, we did, that I'm, is not what has happened. That's, that's uh, no, yeah, we're still in the same place there. Yeah. Um, I yeah. just think. Yeah. And he probably if it had happened today, he would have tweeted something super messed up by like the end of the day. And we'd be like, oh, that guy's problematic. The guy yeah, on the lawnmower. Right. He'll be talking well, about yeah. the lawnmower I guy. I mean, to he be sucks. fair, he almost certainly said a bunch of stuff on this journey that they had to cut out because it was racist. <laughs> like, it was. You a, mean the actual guy, Alvin Strait? It's very possible. Yeah. I, if, if Alvin Strait was helping out on this movie, I don't know if he was still alive when the movie came out about him. But uh, if he was like, the real Alvin Strait, he said some horrible stuff to those cyclists, I guarantee you. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, this is, this is definitely not a movie that, that is interrogating the characters in that way no you know? and i am fine with it would not yeah. want it uh not interested um it was fine i mean it was a nice it was a nice movie i'm glad we watched it i think it was an interesting uh uh like moment for us to be just like let's take a second and watch something that's just kind of it's gonna be it's gonna turn out fine like early on i was a little st- i was very worried for my friend alvin early on like when the trucks would drive by and i thought he was gonna die but like 25 minutes into the movie i was like oh you know what it's not that kind of movie right. i do not think that this is gonna be a horrifying car accident and, a- and alvin's gonna be killed i don't think he's gonna have to like fight off bandits with his knife like it's not that kind of movie he's just gonna yeah. eat wieners and have conversations and some weird things are gonna, some weird characters are gonna pop in but it is nice because i am especially with car stuff i've told you guys this before but like th- there was a thing i don't know when it started but it was like in a movie somebody there was a surprise car accident and then every movie for like 10 years was like every scene in a car you're about to get t-boned and then now i'm just so tense anytime someone's in a car on tv or in a movie i'm just worried about this t-boning that's about to happen and so figuring out that this movie was not going to end in a horrific car accident just really made it a relaxing journey instead right. of a constantly tense journey. So that was very nice. No one, yeah. no one got killed in this movie. It's a, it's just, it's a very, uh, it's a very, I don't know, just kind of plain, plain, simple character study. Um, that it's not, it's not very fancy. There's a few David Lynch flourishes, uh, but it kind of is what it is. I also want to say though, I just, I looked it up while we were talking. Um, Alvin Strait did drive his lawnmower with a trailer that had stuff in it. So mm-hmm. somehow this did actually happen almost exactly the way it is, yep. at least physically depicted in mm. this story. Now, I don't know, you know, in the story, there's a big deal about like the hills that he's yeah. going on. And maybe they threw that in for a little bit of like, I don't know anything about the terrain between Iowa and Wisconsin. So I don't know if there really were uh, big hills he had to deal with. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me that. It would work, but I apparently guess that, that the happened. transmission that the uh, the new transmission that the Olsen twins installed was very good. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, enough. it also though kind of 
kind of crapped out of there at the end. But yeah, I mean, I do think also uh, like um, sort of talking about the way like this story wouldn't work with a boomer in the lead. Uh, I think that this is also uh, like this character type and this stories about people of that generation. I I do think sometimes can get like over. Um, sort of be over saccharine or sort of over explained oh, and totally. not really dive into it. And a big part of what like I love about Alvin is like there's a line when he's talking to someone like you're a very kind man, but you're talking to a very stubborn man. Yeah, I was and like it's just like that really kind of sums up the the character. And I think a big point of this movie is that like if you're if you're stubborn enough and like have something you know you need to do you really don't have any excuse to stop yourself from doing it and like that sort of self-reliance and this well but don't you worry that this is gonna there's like a moral hazard here where after this happened and the movie came out every 80 year old who was too blind to drive a car thought they would drive a their their lawnmower the whole distance (laughs) like it's dangerous stuff he's very lucky he survived this journey Mm. think of the old people (laughs) I, one, one more quick thing before we just on on the talk about boomers and stuff um and then we gotta wrap on this topic but i um it is weird I, anytime someone is talking about generations it starts to like stress me out as if they're all contiguous that there's any any sort of real through line between generations um like that all boomers are one thing and i not which not to come to the defense of boomers exactly because they certainly have had they've uh, of course deserved, you would though Alex. no no, no. Here, yeah. well here's what i think is funny is that also that like I don't know that anyone really knows what generation boomers actually are. Just like no one knows what millennials are. Like they say millennials right. for five year olds now. It's just like anybody who's not fifty is a millennial. Um, and it's it, and and I I have been called both a millennial and a boomer by different people. Like older than me, people say that I uh, have called me millennials, and younger people than me have called me boomer. I had I fucking ugh, I did a, a a training at a college. I like gave a stand up workshop, and I one of the somebody sent me like a feedback thing to put on the website. And she was like, even though he was a boomer, he was great at relating to people. I was 29 That's at really the time, funny. like yeah. not even <laughs> I mean, close. And so you're, I just get you are the ultimate. You are the youngest boomer on the planet. I, though. You are the <laughs> ultimate boomer inside your, your beliefs, your opinions, All right. your everything. All just, right. You know, All right. We're going to have to wrap on that bit of insultery. Um, that is, <laughs> look uh, at that. Just, Taking your ball and going home. What a boomer thing to do. Uh, just pulling right. up the ladder behind you, Alex. All or, right. Okay. All right. Why don't you tell me about how great Shauna and I was at Woodstock, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, now it's time for segment number three, The Argument. Um, so we had an experiment last week. We're doing a little thing where we're trying – we're going to um, – try to have each of us bring an example and then compare them and, and argue about it that way and have people uh, a winner and Jay number one uh, sent us a, a message suggesting a slight tweak to it that he thinks would help out and i really like it so uh, Jay number one says um seems to me the answer to the argument format lies in read it and weeps past Ooh, in the early days you had uh you had sometimes did a debate where two people on the show debated and a third host served as arbiter. So there Ooh. were rounds of evidence rebuttal and personal insults. That was our format. Um, we don't have to do that anymore. Um, but we did have, we always did have an ad hominem attack round in our debate format. And you just, so, so what he was suggesting is we take that format 
and just rotate the judge each week. So two people present an idea and debate it, and one person will be the judge. Um, and I told him I like this very much, and he said, "It's that was your idea. I'm just the person bored enough to be listening to your uh, back episodes. I'm still in the double digits. So, um, and the only other thing that he suggests is we make sure that Hunter introduces the argument with his voice changer. So, Hunter. The argument. Yes, it's time for the argument. So, here's how this is going to work. So, Anthony and Hunter have each selected. This week, we're going to do an argument about the best epic journey movie. So, Hunter and Anthony have each prepared their favorite epic journey movie. Oh, wait. You're the judge? And I'm going to judge this week. And then we'll rotate. Oh, wow. So, I'm going to lose automatically. We can just (laughs) skip this one. You're going to know why, right, when we get to it. Wow. I wish I'd known this before. Well, you know, it's just like real court. You don't get to pick your judge. Wow, okay, well, well can I, I mean, just get mine out of the way real fast? No, then? no, so, so yeah. uh, okay, so each of you is going to present your favorite, the best epic journey movie, and then I am going to uh, have rounds of evidence and a uh, personal insult round, and then we'll decide, I'll decide the winner, so. Yeah. Wow, look, this is Hunter, so embarrassing, this is not going to work. Look, Hunter, <laughs> this, is, this is. Really should have told me beforehand. <laughs> Hunter, this is Sucks. just like real court, okay? You don't get to pick your judge, but make sure that when you find out who it is, you have plenty of blackmail material. (laughs) I wish I had. To get you away. Um, Well, Uh, even in the old format, you were still trying to persuade. So, okay. So now I can't can't wait to hear it. Um, Hunter, what is your suggestion for best epic journey movie? Um, My pick, your honor, is Lord of the Rings, (laughs) Fellowship of the Ring. And I cede my time. (laughs) Uh, the the defense rests, Your Honor. <laughs> we are gonna take the L this week, and oh. we'll be back. Well, next all right, week. well, I, let's Alex, see. Anthony could uh, have Hunter. a worse choice, yeah, so no, let's find yeah, out. Hunter, Anthony, uh, what is the my, best epic journey? My movie? pick for best epic road journey is Lord of the Rings: The Fellowship <laughs> of the Ring, the extended cut. <laughs> so Hunter I wins in to, a landslide. Yeah, but no, I. Hey, what's I your was, movie, so Anthony? That no, okay, so I was trying to kind of i thought lord of the rings would come up i mean i definitely think that lord of the rings is like especially if you define it as like an epic journey mm-hmm. movie yes. rather than like a sort of like conventional road movie, road yeah, movie. it's not a road yeah, trip comedy yeah. i wanted to be clear yeah. i wanted this to be epic because this is sort epic. of more epic yeah. journey than like ro- road yeah. trip comedy so yeah. i mean lord of the rings is definitely this isn't like I dude where's my the, lawnmower it's like a journey yeah, the uh, that's definitely gonna be a great one um and I was trying to think of something that kind of had, like, I don't know, like, doesn't sound too modern, and I wanted to do, like, an old western or something, but I kept coming back to either Lord of the Rings or Mad Max Fury Road, which in terms of uh, epic yeah. road journeys is my favorite because it's the only one in which people spend an hour getting someplace and then decide... Let's go back to the first place. I just really love that yeah, in Epic yeah. Journey. Um, oh, man. This so is really... That, okay, so Hunter, I just really want to say I am a fair judge. Uh-huh. Um, and the fact that you picked a movie that I can't stand and Anthony picked one of my favorite movies I've ever seen is, you're right, a bit of a disadvantage. But I'm going to do my best here to be more uh, <laughs> open to this argument. So Anthony's reasoning was one of the strong... So, so I was going to ask for rounds of evidence. So your first round of evidence is that they get to their destination and just turn around and do it backwards, which I think is a a, a totally interesting argument. Uh, Hunter, how would you respond to that with the Lord of the Rings uh, defense? 
Uh, so, <laughs> so if if the so the first bit of positivity is that the characters go to a place and then and then they go back. Um, in in Lord of the Rings, uh, the I feel like the the epic part of your suggestion is mm-hmm. fully satisfied in mm-hmm. every traditional way mm-hmm. to the point where it almost defies me explaining it now. Right. I mean, it's quite the, long, the, is what you're saying. Do I? Yes, it's long. Yeah, sure. Uh, it's it's vast. Mm-hmm. There are uh, many different locations our characters visit. There are many different characters. Mm-hmm. Um, they each uh, have kind of archetypal mythological uh, things they reach for. Mm-hmm. Um, it satisfies the epic part. Uh, I think hands down, don't even really even need right. to get into it. Right. It's like every yeah. aspect of it is satisfying. Yeah, it. The other part, so... hold up, hold up, yeah. not done, not so, done. So, the other word yeah. in it that I was given was the word journey. Right. Literally everything happening in Lord of the Rings is about a journey mm-hmm. uh, to to a a destination that we get so much buildup for this destination that we don't even see it by the end of this movie. Right. You know, there's so much seeding for it, which also kind of goes into the epic part, right? So, I mean, it's a yeah, it's a story that takes a long time to tell, um, like an epic story uh, would. So, I just feel like. I literally didn't even want to pick Lord of the Rings because I know you don't like it. So right. I was like, this isn't really a good pick. But then I was like, I can't, I kept looking at other movies and I was like, this is really my answer though. At the end of the day, this just satisfies the requirement so fully. Um, and I mean, we've already covered it in a prior episode, like how much I like this movie and how yeah. much this movie has influenced me. So I don't even, I don't even feel the need to to draw that out again. Right, right. We've got yeah, a lot of I, that. I, that's what I was. I was gonna. Your second point is what I was. The thing that why I do feel like Lord of the Rings almost should have it is that it's such an epic journey that the first movie isn't even actually a third of the journey. Like right. they have to cover so much more ground in the second and in Lord of the Rings in the whole trilogy. They do go to a place and then turn around and go back home. So well, they it do. Does yeah, they don't follow the they, same. Yeah, they, they do a, but, accomplish the goal, which is different from hmm. what one of the what you're what you were pointing out that was funny about or that's like fun about using an epic journey as Mad Max Fury Road is that they get to the end, they're like, nope, turn it around. Yeah. Whereas in Lord of the Rings, they're like, we did it. And it's also like these these two not necessarily road doesn't necessarily fall into this, but the Mad Max universe and Lord of the Rings uh, are such like uh, text of epic journeys. Right. Like without Lord of the Rings, there is no there's thousands of other stories. Anthony, not, I would just ask you to right please stay in your lane. This is hard enough for me to remain uh, <laughs> neutral on this point when you guys are <laughs> arguing against each other, but if it feels like you're ganging up on me, I just can't handle it. I mean, I well, feel like th- this this could have been avoided. That's all I want to say. If this all yeah. could have been avoided. <laughs> well, so I, uh, I will say one thing you're not mentioning here, but is implied in all of this is that uh, Lord of the Rings is based on a book series that is quite good. And so if we, if I think of it in terms of the books and not the terrible movies, it is a little more appealing as an epic journey. Oh yeah. I forgot about this aspect of your Lord of the Rings. Right. It is very perplexing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. There, there's no, there's no like, um, 
you know, dignity in this court. Okay, well, you've got to... Okay, okay. So you are correct, Anthony, that this is the ad hominem attack round. You have aimed it at the court instead of at your opponent, which I think is maybe a misfire. I don't want to give away too much. Hunter, I got got no respect for your authority, judge. What are you going to do, hold me in podcast contempt? I don't think so. Uh, Hunter, do you have a a contribution for this round? Uh... What do you mean? The ad hominem hominem attack round? round? Theoretically, you would attack Anthony personally. Oh, okay. Um, A personal insult. You know, I I just think it's like, you know what I was about to say? Actually, this this was my mean thing for Anthony. I was going to be like, Mad Max, how obvious. Like, just almost like I forgot what my uh, Yeah, you hadn't picked Lord of the Rings, yeah. Right. Um, Um, Yeah, okay, okay. uh, Do we need to stop? Because there's something happening. What's happening? Uh, I got a critical error... Aborting. Oh dear. Okay. Um. So, uh, welcome back. Uh, there was. It's going to sound like a very short cut to you out in the listening world, but this has been about a half an hour of tech problems since we were just working on the end of segment three. Every uh, hunter's rig just uh took a poop and so we've been trying to get everything back up and running. But instead, I'm just gonna have to finish up the show. Just Anthony and I. Or. Is that really what happened? Is it possible that our recording equipment could tell that Hunter's argument was so bad, it was so clearly inferior to the obviously correct choice that Fury Road is by far the best epic journey movie I've ever seen. I like it so much, and I was doing my best to be on uh, to be neutral, and it couldn't work. Maybe I can hold him in podcast contempt. Maybe that's where he is now, and that's why he's not going to be part of the outro of this episode. Because, like... Kicked him out. Uh, who knows? That's why I could never be a judge, because I'm too petty. And I would be, if I immediately dislike someone's argument, I would not be able to remain in right. You'd be I an just, eye-rolling judge. Yeah, I'd be like, all right. <laughs> uh, Object- objection, Your Honor, of course. Yeah, of what course, yeah. Uh, Jesus p- permission Christ. to treat this witness as boring, granted. um yeah so uh um okay so it turns out what would actually happen is that hunter is having an outage uh it seems like so he's gone but he was gonna lose anyway anthony you're the winner congratulations on being the first the argument winner um so we uh we'll try this again we'll rotate judges and in fact since you won we'll have you be the judge next week uh you've been promoted to to eye rolling judge and then you can Presumably pick Hunter's pick on whatever we do. Well, I usually when we record, I'm wearing a robe with nothing under it. So <laughs> perfect. It's going to be fine. I yeah, thought you I'm were graduating. So Turns out you're a judge. Nope. Um, I'm a ju- all right. And that is no, just a pervert. <laughs> <laughs> New pervert just, just dropped. Yeah. <laughs> all right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. That is it for our show. We will be back again next week. Next week, uh, we are talking about an Italian movie and Hunter's going to tell me which one and I don't remember what it is so just know it's going to be an Italian movie and I'm going to do the entire episode as a Mario um, that's what I'm going to do <laughs> it's going to be super fun and I'm going to take his movie very seriously um, yeah. please stick around for that uh, if you have any questions or comments or feedback if you want to fix one of our segments by telling us that our the power was within us the whole time just like you know an epic journey uh, we would love to have that send us an email podcast at read-weep.com we also appreciate all of your feedback on Facebook and Twitter and most importantly we appreciate all of the meat buddies who keep us limping down the tracks thank you all for your support Yes. thanks for being here Anthony yeah, this is a lot of fun thanks for not uh, being a fucking quitter I try not to I do also uh, the Mario impression uh, 
between this week and next week, I can do three impressions. Okay. Pretty okay. I can do Mario, <laughs> I can do a really good David Lynch, and I can do an okay Werner Herzog. Okay, so I've uh, not heard David so, Lynch speak, but I have heard Herzog speak in yeah. Mandalorian. So if you want to, either yeah. Mario or Herzog are my picks for next week. Okay, I'll, I'll bust out one of them. Okay, I can't wait. All that and more next. Oh, that's what a good tease. Everyone can't wait to hear yeah. you do an okay Herzog. All right, we'll talk to everybody next week. Goodbye. Psh. Bye. Bye.